As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients' line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of Ultra Pure Omega-3 Solutions. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, a podcast that I've been very much looking forward to because today we're going to talk to an expert on the microbiome. He is the author of Missing Microbes, How the Overuse of Antibiotics is Fueling Our Modern Plagues, a book written first written in, in 2014, and uh, I interviewed him uh, in 2015. And it seems like just yesterday, there was an outstanding uh, interview. Uh, his, the subtitle of the book is How the Overuse of Antibiotics is Fueling Our Modern Plagues. And so I've reconnected with the author. He's Dr. Martin Blazer. Uh, Dr. Blazer is a physician and a microbiologist. Uh, he is also the director of the Center for Advanced Biotechnology and Medicine, at Rutgers Biomedical and Health Sciences. And he, along with his uh, partner, Domingus, uh, Dr. Domingus Bello, uh, who is also uh, the Henry Rutgers Professor of Microbiome and Health at the Rutgers School of Environmental and Biological Sciences, uh, is now uh, the uh, impetus behind a fascinating new documentary. It's called The Invisible Extinction. It's as if human microbiome is an endangered species. Yeah. What's happening to our microbiomes? That is a source of concern to Dr. Blazer. And so it's a pleasure having you back on the program. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to see you. Indeed. Uh, so uh, your, your new uh, documentary uh, traces problems associated with the microbiome and the depletion of beneficial bacteria uh, that's occurring because of modern civilization and the overuse of antibiotics and a variety of other factors that have undermined the integrity of what is a very, very important internal resource, uh, the bacteria that inhabit our intestines. How did you get involved with this project? Well, thank you. Um, firstly, uh, the documentary isn't my documentary. It's a documentary made by uh, two independent filmmakers, uh, Stephen Lawrence and Sarah Shank. And uh, the story goes back to Missing Microbes. Uh, shortly after Missing Microbes was published, 
they contacted my wife and I and said, you know, we think there's a film there. And uh, we thought, oh, this is a good idea. We'd, we'd like to see a film that gets out the ideas that were in the book. And we actually have been working with them for the last about eight years. They've been filming and editing. And uh, finally, the film came out uh, uh, last year, just uh, last year in Copenhagen. And it premiered in the U.S. Uh, uh, this year uh, uh, as well. So it's a film that extends, uh, I should say, the film, The Invisible Extinction, really extends the ideas that were first developed in Missing Microbes. And, and some of the film transpires in, uh, you know, your laboratories and, you know, you and uh, other experts uh, weigh in on the microbiome crisis. But also you, you travel far and wide uh, to explore the microbiomes of people who live in uh, relatively pristine environments, environments which have been less touched by Westernization, Western diet, uh, and antibiotic use. And in fact, uh, you traveled to Venezuela, to a, a rural or jungle part of Venezuela. So how do you explain to local indigenous populations in remote areas that you want to study their stool? That made for some uh, mirthful moments in this uh, documentary. Do, do you pay them? You know, they, they must kind of crack up when researchers, eminent researchers travel to their remote areas and say, give us your poop. Well, you, you, that's exactly uh, right. Uh, the, the work in Venezuela uh, was done by my wife, uh, Maria Gloria Dominguez, uh, who's, uh, who's an American citizen now, but she's originally from Venezuela. And she's been working in the Venezuelan Amazon for the last 20 years, uh, working with and studying the people who live there, uh, the people who uh, have not had the benefits of our ultra-modern civilization, uh, but seem to be doing very well otherwise. And and she goes there periodically and uh, takes samples from them and measurements from them and uh, has been studying their microbiome now for the last more than 20 years. So why venture to these uh, remote places to, to study poop? What is it about uh, the uh, stool of people in these regions that uh, sheds light on, on what's happening in the West. Yeah, well, both, both Gloria, as, uh, as she's known as, and, and I have been very interested in the idea that, uh, that we, we humans have a microbiome. We call it our ancestral microbiome. It's the microbiome we inherited from our parents and they inherited from their parents and so on and so forth. And um, it's kind of fundamental to being a human being. But uh, there's more and more evidence that in recent years, our microbiome in developed countries like the United States or Canada or Europe, etc., uh, that our microbiome is changing, that we have lost uh, some of our ancestral microbes. That's, that's where the idea of missing microbes comes from. And the way we can understand it best is to study people who haven't had these losses or who we, who we thought would not have these losses. And in fact, Gloria has shown that their microbiome is much richer than ours. They have much more diversity. It, her work suggests that we in the U.S. have already lost about half of our microbial diversity. So it's very important to understand what they have that we don't have 
and maybe begin to think about how we can get some of it back. What are some of the consequences of uh, a depleted microbiome? How can it account for many of the degenerative diseases that uh, seem to plague the West uh, and are much less prevalent in regions that are untouched by uh, Western advances, so-called advances? Yeah, well, that that is what the invisible extinction is all about. And, and it kind of, again, takes off from my book, Missing Microbes, how the overuse of antibiotics is fueling our modern plagues. So our modern plagues are diseases like obesity and food allergies and asthma and autism, and the, the list goes on. These are diseases that have become increasingly common in, in the last 50 years, during, in fact, the antibiotic era, during the era when we've really modernized. And so this idea that I had about 20 years ago is that the reason that we're, we have all these diseases is that they're all due to this fundamental shift in our microbiome that occurs really when we're young, when we're babies. Uh, childhood, early life, this is the period of time when, uh, when a baby is developing. They're developing their immunity, their metabolism, and their thinking. And it's now in increasingly clear that our microbes are partners in that developmental process. And now if our partners, if some of them are out to lunch or gone, then that process is abnormal. And so that that's really the basic idea. Uh, again, when I had this idea about 20 years ago, it was very much kind of pie in the sky. But now there's more and more evidence that this is correct. Yeah, so we're, we're trying, yeah, yeah, we're trying to understand. I'm sorry. So, yeah. you know, certainly in the in just the the five or so years since I last interviewed you, the interest in the microbiome has just really exploded, and more and more linkages to microbiome abnormalities and health problems have have emerged. But you know, we're clearly in an epidemic of obesity, diabetes, insulin resistance, metabolic disease, and and the prevalent explanation is that we're simply moving less and eating more. But how is it that the microbiome could figure into that equation mechanistically? What what goes <coughs> wrong when you have a lack of diversity and you've lost certain key species due to overuse of antibiotics and other factors? Well, again, it goes back to early life. Mm -hmm. Early life is when, when everything is being programmed. So that, uh, for example, a doctor knows that the, the, the height of a child when they're about two years old predicts their adult height. So you already know that it, it, there's important message there in what's happening early in life. And uh, we have found that in experimental studies in mice as well. Um, so uh, so it, the, the microbiome kind of affects what the trajectory is going to be, the trajectory for immunity for metabolism, things like uh, the control of, of, of sugar and calories, uh, and also uh, how, how we think. So there's, now, a, and there's, by a, the way, there's a gut brain connection. And I think that that's really been strongly established. There's even thought to be uh, a microbiome signature for people who are destined to develop Parkinson's disease. This is something we've learned recently. 
Yeah, there's, uh, you know, our, our focus is really uh, on early life and the diseases that occur in childhood and middle age. But there's more and more interest in the diseases that happen when people get older, like Parkinson's disease, like Alzheimer's disease. Um, and scientists are studying the connection with the microbiome. And as you point out, there's, there's more and more evidence that there is a connection. So what are some of the things that we do in early life, you know, maybe even prenatally, to undermine uh, the microbiome of babies and children that ultimately has lasting consequences for them? Yeah, well, for all of us, we get a lot of our microbiome from our mom. It's the process starts at birth. When, 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 when we're born and we go through the birth canal, the water breaks and we go through the birth canal, we're covered by mom's microbes. We swallow mom's microbes. Our skin is covered with mom's microbes. And that, that's, the, that's the start of our microbiome. Uh, but these days, things are different than they used to be. For example, babies may be born by C-section. Uh, in the U.S., one baby out of three is born by C-section. In some countries today, more than 50% of babies are born by C-section which is astounding. Uh, moms are getting antibiotics during pregnancy. More than 50% of pregnant women in the United States are exposed to antibiotics for treatment or some form of prophylaxis. So this is affecting the microbes that they're transferring uh, to their newborn baby. Babies are getting a lot of antibiotics. In, in the U.S., by the time a child is two, the average child has had three courses of antibiotics. Uh, and they're getting all kinds of other medications as well. And, and, and many children aren't being breastfed. Uh, they're, 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 they're getting formula, which only superficially looks like uh, uh, breast milk, but doesn't have all the advantages of millions of years of evolution. So I've heard that there, there are prebiotics are in breast milk that are specifically designed to prime uh, the uh, colonization of certain beneficial bacteria in the intestinal tract, and and you can get you can get the carbohydrates right, you can get the fat percentage right, you can get you can even add certain vitamins, but it's still not that uh, exquisitely designed uh, mixture that Mother Nature had intended for the optimal uh, startup of the microbiome. Um, you have said it better than I have said it. <laughs> okay. I mean, the uh, uh, nature has endowed uh, breast milk with tremendous qualities. We, we have evolved uh, as, as mammals for the last 100 million years. Remember, all mammals, that's kind of one of the definitions of being a mammal. They have mammary glands. They, they feed their, their offspring milk. Well, milk is not accidental. It, it, it has a very specific series of formulas. We, we know a little about it. We don't, there's a lot about human milk that we don't know. And, and formula is, is a very incomplete version of human breast milk. What about uh, the types of foods that are often fed to kids early in life? Are processed foods harmful to the microbiome? I, I think, uh, you know, nature designed uh, uh, human life uh, uh, for, for the baby to be fed by the mom almost exclusively for the first months of life. And exactly where that ends, 
uh, is, is a matter of conjecture. But certainly for the first three or six months of life, that's all that a baby needs is, is, is human milk. That, that's complete. And so to the extent that anything takes a baby away from their mother's breast, uh, that is a problem. What about uh, some of the constituents of ultra-processed foods? You know, the emulsifiers, uh, the high proportion of sugars, uh, preservatives, colorings, uh, chemical additives, and even antibiotic residues. Because let's face it, uh, you know, our meats, uh, even our water, uh, may be laced with antibiotic residues. So even if we attempt to shield our kids and minimize their exposure to prescription antibiotics, uh, are they not getting it through the food supply to some extent? Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, again, your points are quite good. You, you've been reading a lot. <laughs> uh, well, you've inspired yeah. me to, to do a deep dive on the microbiome. This is just a very, very yeah, important uh, part of the health equation. You, you know, nothing has prepared our microbiome for the onslaught of modern life. Uh, as you say, all these different food additives. And food has antibacterials in it. Uh, they're designed to improve shelf life of the food, you know, so that it can, you, you can keep it on the shelf longer. But uh, those antibacterials, which preserve the food, are also against the bacteria in the human body as well when, when we eat those foods. So, as you point out, food coloring, that's anti often antibacterial, food preservatives, uh, emulsifiers uh, have, have an important effect on the microbiome as well. And, of course, as you point out, uh, we're using a lot of antibiotics on the farm, and some of that is spilling over. It's actually not as bad as it was uh, 20 or 30 years ago. That The government has tightened the regulation on that, but there's still some that gets through. Uh, what about uh, the effect of, you know, I sometimes worry about this because uh, I swim in a chlorinated pool, and I'm glad for it because, you know, all kinds of people uh, jump in the pool. They're supposed to shower off before, but they can uh, introduce their germs and you, you need chlorine to, or some process to keep the water from uh, being a, a bacterial cesspool. But what happens when we drink fluoridated and chlorinated water? Does that, have your studies indicated that that may uh, put a dent in the microbiome? Yeah, well, you, you, you raise another very interesting point. You know, one of the greatest advances in human civilization is having clean water. Uh, you know, most of the decrease uh, in mortality uh, in the 20th century happened before antibiotics uh, even came on the scene. That was because of sanitation and also because of vaccines. But now just concentrating on sanitation, what, what, what sanitation and specifically chlorination does is that it protects us against uh, what we call high-grade pathogens, the bacteria that cause typhoid or, or cholera. Uh, chlorination clean, cleans up our water, and that, that is terrific. But an unanticipated side effect is that uh, back in the old days, we used to drink water that had the, the, the common organisms uh, that people have in their intestinal tract, uh, what we call our commensal organisms. We used to drink that. And um, occasionally it, it, it was laced with a, a, a really damaging one, which is why clean water is so important. But, but an unanticipated side effect is that we no longer have that exposure. 
And that may be one of the reasons, again, why we're losing our microbial diversity. And of course, there's uh, the hygiene hypothesis, which is the notion that uh, kids used to grow up on farms, uh, hang around with farm animals, play in the dirt, get a lot of uh, outside exposure. Uh, and there weren't uh, constant disinfectant sprays, you know, Lysol and all the swabbing down that we do in modern society. Uh, has that uh, had a deleterious effect on the microbiome? Well, many people think it has. Uh, I think the jury, I personally think the jury is still out on that because one can, one can make a distinction between microbes that are ancestral to the human body. These are, these are human microbes that have been present in human beings since time immemorial. And then we could talk about the microbes that are present in our pets, in our dogs and cats, or in farm animals, or microbes in the soil. You know, those microbes in the soil are adapted for living in soil. They're not adapted for living in the human body. And when we, when, if we ingest them, they're gone pretty quickly. Our, our homeboys kick them out. Uh, our, our, our human organisms. So I, I, I'm not sure how important these environmental back microbes are. What I do know is that our ancestral human microbes are important. These are the ones we're losing. That's what the film, The Invisible Extinction, is all about. So it actually is kind of a transgenerational uh, situation, is that uh, and it, it seems to have kind of a deadly momentum because as successive generations have continuously depleted microbiomes, uh, we pass these along uh, to our uh, descendants. And is there a scenario by which uh, the human microbiome uh, becomes an endangered species, so to speak? Yeah, well, again, you, you've really been doing your homework. Uh, about 15 years ago, uh, we hypothesized exactly what you're saying. Uh, that is that uh, that we get our microbiome from mom, and she got her microbiome from her mom, etc. And that if 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 mom doesn't have a microbe, we're not going to get it. And in in that view, the the change in the microbiome is cumulative across generations that we are stepping down in our diversity. Again, we postulated this about 15 years ago. There's more and more evidence that this, unfortunately, is correct. And we have done studies in mice to show that, that there's this very important, what's called vertical transmission, the transmission from one generation to the next, uh, uh, so that uh, if a mom doesn't have the, the microbe, uh, the, the offspring is not going to get it. Well, okay, you, you've laid down the groundwork for a pretty uh, grim scenario, but uh, not only are you uh, pointing out the hazards of our depleted microbiome, you're also on the front lines of devising solutions. So in part two, we'll continue our discussion. Uh, the original book, uh, Missing Microbes, How the Overuse of Antibiotics is Fueling Our Modern Plagues, written first in 2014, but still relevant. But uh, there's a great new documentary uh, that you can watch uh, via the usual sites. Uh, it's available uh, for download, uh, and it's entitled The Invisible Extinction. Uh, our guest is Dr. Martin Blazer. He is, if you'll excuse me, a trailblazer 
in the field of microbiome research. And uh, he's sounding the clarion call that we really need to do something about uh, microbiome depletion. We're going to talk about some possible solutions in part two. So stay with us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.